Turn to our Bibles this morning. We'll go to the book of Matthew, chapter 16. Matthew, chapter 16. We'll read verse 17 and 18, and then we'll go to Colossians. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now we, we've, we major quite often on that Scripture, I'm talking about revelation. The revelation wasn't built on Peter, but on the rock of revelation. But the message that Jesus was bringing was, I will build my church. So what he starts as a pattern always continues. And he would say, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. If there's ever a time that the gates of hell are against the church. It's in this day. With all the influences and all the things, but we have a promise. Let's go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. We'll read verses 15 through 18. This is Christ's preeminence. Who is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of every creature. 
For by him were all things created that are in heaven that and that are in earth. That's us. Visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. We just bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the worship this morning, the songs that were sung, Lord, our sister Susan and our sister Anne, Lord, and for all the worship that we were able to sing for the baby dedication. We thank you for what every believer has brought to the service today. Now, Lord, we want to just lay down everything and we want to submit ourselves to you, both the speakers and the hearers, Lord, asking, O God, that you would have the preeminence even as the Scripture is written. Lord, we invite you. We invite your Spirit. Lord, knowing that the enemy would try even as it was written in the Scripture, but Lord, you said the gates of hell would not come against the church of God. Lord, we believe we're moving to a great hour where you will make yourself known in your body, the bride, the church, in a greater way. Father, may we, O God, looking where we've been, looking where we're going, may we, O Lord, move towards that. Father, with faith and assurance, I pray your blessing this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may have your seats. I want to speak this morning and on the apostolic order of the Christian church. And uh, I'm going to take a couple of services on this. It's, it's been now a little over six months since our brother Harold has passed away. We had a business meeting on May the 11th. We discussed where we would be in, in times of transition and we indicated some time would be given for uh, remembrance of Brother Harold, for reflection on also our direction moving forward. And that involved all of us, involves myself, involves us looking at where we're going. So I appreciate the, the song this morning on prayer because that's what we, we want to do is we want to pray. We want to see God moving before us. It's his church. He is the head of the church. It's been a busy summer. We've not always been together. September was also busy. And, um, but in October, I took a couple of services and maybe as a prelude to where we're going, spoke on the way of the good shepherd, which is Christ. And he is a good shepherd. We thank God that he reflects that. And then we, we took a service on the way of a true shepherd, bringing that down a little bit, and so we had, we had special meetings in between, and that was a blessing. How many enjoyed those meetings, Brother Steve and, and uh, Brother Albert? That was a blessing. Amen. So I'm not here to rehearse those services, but 
I do want to just take a couple scriptures and then I want to move in this a little bit. So if you'll just turn with me to the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 3, Jeremiah chapter 3, and we'll start reading in verse 14. Now, to remember this, this is Israel when they were uh, in captivity and they were there because of their sins. They were there because of their disobedience and, and God was giving, giving them a time period. In fact, he said it was 70 years that he was going to give them and that related actually to, in one place it said, for all the years you didn't observe the Sabbath. And so 490 years, and he said, so I'm going to do that. Let the land rest for 70 years. So they were in captivity. Now, they were in captivity, and it would look like everything was wrong, but God's heart never changed to them. So in verse 14, he would say, turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord, for I am married unto you, and I will take you one of a city and two of a family, and I will bring you to Zion. So I, I love that song that, that we have our uh, little group sings here about return to Zion, and that's such a blessing, and just to see that, that's the heart of God for Israel still, but it's the heart of God for a bride. And he would say, and I will give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. So he would share that in Jeremiah. He would go on to share more, and we'll read more of Jeremiah, not all today, but I'm going to pick a couple of verses there today. Jeremiah 23, in verse 3, and I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries whither I have driven them, and I will bring them again to their folds, and they shall be fruitful and increase. Thank God for that. And I will set up shepherds over them which shall feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. So that's still God's heart. It's his heart there, but he works on earth. And so we believe that if God has that, God will work according to that manner. Now, as I was thinking over the last months, and I've, I've taken a fair bit of time to go through the message, and I'm going to bring a number of things over a couple of services, and I'm going to share them on a PowerPoint. I think that'll be better. But as I reflected way back in, in Edmonton, the church that was here, it was in the early 1970s that Brother Harold started ministering, and it was here, it was in his house, and there were a few people here that were there, a few, and, uh, but it was in 1981, that's 41 years ago in October, it was actually, I think it was October the 29th, which was yesterday, 1981, that the church was incorporated with bylaws and, and all of that, and what started out, and, and I remember the times I would even come a little bit to 
the house, the little place Brother Harold had at that time. And he was the deacon. He provided the premises. He was also the song leader. And he was the, the minister. And he was all these things. And, but that was, that was God working in building something. And we thank God, where would we be today if it wasn't for those labors? And they were not easy labors. They were hard labors. He had to deal with one 12-year-old kid in that place that just put his head against the wall, wasn't saved. And uh, speaking of myself. But it evolved. It evolved to a much greater thing. And there was many challenges. And, and I would say over... I measured my time, which is about 36 years. I've been privy to some of those challenges. I've, I've, I've had times and I've witnessed things and watched things and had conversations with Brother Harold and, and certainly had seen the ups and the downs and, and there, was, there was many things that were there through, throughout the years, but we're still here. Something keeps holding us. Something keeps us moving forward. And we believe if God started something, God continues it. And if it was just Brother Harold, it wouldn't have gone. Because it's God's church, he's the head, and he ordains those that, that step in there. So it was in Matthew that Jesus said, I will build my church. It was his church, and this isn't the only church. There's other churches around the world and in the different places but also in, in Colossians, he would say that he is the head of the church. So if he's the head, we are the body. And as a body, we submit ourselves to the head and to, to the order that he has. Now, I'm, I'm referring to this as the apostolic order. And Jesus, when he picked uh, his disciples, he picked uh, 12 disciples and knowing that one of them was the son of perdition. One of them would betray him. One of them would not be there. But God already was ahead of everything because he had another disciple whose calling would not be according to a natural calling or a flesh calling. That was Paul. Now the church, after Judas had passed away in Acts chapter 2, they all stood together, and this was actually before the Holy Ghost came. And before the Holy Ghost came, they decided, let's have a vote. Let's vote somebody in. And they did, and they voted in Matthias. And Matthias, I, I don't know, he probably was a good man, but that wasn't what God had in mind. And so it was the order of man that was bringing something forward, and it never amounted to it. But we believe it's, it's man, but it's also God in man. And so afterwards in the book of Acts, and you can read in different places, it was, it was the Holy Ghost which when issues came up and, and there, was, there was those that were ministering and out, out of the issues they had to leave serving God and had to take care of the others. And when an issue came up, that's when God brought an answer. And out of that, that's where the deacon started. So they said, let's appoint seven men. Let's do, let's take them. And, and so out of an issue, out of a question, God brings an answer. And it was over the course of time. There was Paul, there was Barnabas, there was Mark, there was others. And if you read the book of Acts, it wasn't all miracles. Yeah. 
It wasn't all this. There was ups. There was downs. There was, there was sometimes infighting. There was all kinds of things. And we want to go back to a Book of Acts church. We do. <laughs> with, with, with all of it. But there was still something about it that it was God's church. And God began to set an order. And he used one of the apostles that was not called like the others. Paul was the original one. And an apostle is a setter in order. So an apostle would set things in order. And if you read Paul's letters to all the churches, he said, behold, uh, you know, do such and such. I set an order. I do this until I come. You know, give attendance to reading. Give attendance. So God was uh, beyond what Jesus did on earth and gathering apostles around, through Paul, he began to also set in order the church. Now, I'm, I'm not going to dwell completely on all of this today. I'll, I'll come back to some of it. Let's just go to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. This will be maybe a little, little different service today, but... It's all the Word of God, and we, we need to do these things and sometimes just step back. And I feel like sometimes we take things for granted of what we have. Uh, I don't know if you sometimes have an opportunity to go into a church, but you go into a church sometimes, there isn't always the reverence that we have in a church like we do here. There isn't always the order. Ask some people that have come out of it where there's light shows behind them and pyrotechnics and, and all kinds of things and, and people are talking and doing all kinds of things and hey, we ought to be thankful for the order that God has brought. And it's God's order. And I thank God that he amplified it in these last days because an angel of the Lord that accompanied the ministry in these last days, we had a prophet that was very sensitive to that. And he would say, you know, when you come, don't talk and, 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 and just worship and take your time and, and create an atmosphere. These things are important. Not, not completely the subject today, but he said, and sing a song. You know, have the pianist play something softly and gently. And, and he says, even only believe. And, and then he would go on and say, and the angel of the Lord liked that song. I, 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 I love the fact that it wasn't just rules. I, I'm thankful that it was spirit-led, and it was a continuation of God implementing himself into a many-membered body. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I didn't give you this, Brother Mark, I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, let's go to verse 6. And he would say, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So it wasn't one person that did it all. It was God that was doing it all. And he would say, so then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, if they are led by the Spirit of God. It's, it's the continuation of God working in his body. And he would go on to say, And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. We are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. 
you are God's building. My, these are like, if we can see that today, this is not just a tabernacle with people that come together and we got to follow rules. This is God's order. We need to appreciate that. And he would say, according to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder. There's brothers that have taken those initials of wise master builder, W-M-B, and say, did you know that's Brother Branham's initials? Yes. Wise master builder. <laughs> he would say, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. So the church is always growing, always moving, even, it's not to stay stagnant, it's always building to what God had in his mind. For other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So Paul is taking his time and, and he is telling, now all that I'm doing is in accordance with what God has given me. Now, I'm going to take a good part of this service today with some PowerPoint, so if you could put that up, Brother Mark, and I'm going to um, spend a little bit of time and I'm going to go through some quotations and things, so it might not be like a raw, raw type service, but if there's something good, it helps if you add or you participate in. So I, I want to just take that a little bit here this morning. Now, I, I don't have it up here on my screen, Brother Mark. I'm not sure if it's, if it's something here, so just, just letting you know, okay? I, I'll make do for the moment here. But, so in church order, this is in, there's two church orders that Brother Branham would, would speak, one in 1958 and one in 1963. And I'm using this to show a little bit of the movement. And he would say this in the 1963. Brethren, I'm sure you realize this is a spiritual place. It isn't the biggest place where we have the most singing, the most screaming, the most hollering or speaking in tongues. That isn't it. He's talking about the tabernacle. But it's the quality of the spirit that operates here in this tabernacle. It's, it's not always in what we see and feel, but it's what's inside. He said, now I want to commend and thank Brother Neville and you brethren here, trustees and deacons and Sunday school superintendent, and all for what you have done in helping keeping it this way. So it's not one, it's all of us moving together. He said, it's been a long prayer of mine and a desire since a boy to see the church put in order and kept in order. So this is, this is Brother Branham. I, I want to just read a little bit more of this. And he's talking about where they're at in time. Now this kind of keeps blanking out on me. I don't know why it does that, but I'll, I'll, I'll make do, okay? So he says, now... Brother Neville, had, being just young, he's come amongst us, so I think at that time he'd been there probably, I think, seven or eight years, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. He says, I thought it'd be better for Brother Neville to get better established in the faith before I presented such things as I'm going to do now. So you see the movement that God is making, even for Brother Branham. Now, after I found out that he's getting well established in the faith, he would say, uh, and understands what the doctrine, oops, sorry, 
I got to go back here. There, I wanted this. No, I'm missing it. Hang on, sorry. There. And understands what the doctrine is and has played the part of a faithful witness to Christ and holding for what we believe the truth. So there had been a, a pattern, a time where he had, he had come to a certain place and then Brother Branham felt he could go further. And he said, I think it's the hour, it'd be a good time to approach him in and among you elders and things here of the church that you would take these orders and remember them. They're the best of my knowledge before God. And then I'm looking to you to carry these things out the way that I'm saying them because somebody has to be ahead around here. You have to have, and then I, I, I'll read this. I might want to play a little bit of this tonight, so I'll, I'll, I'll leave that just for now. We'll just move forward. Now, I want to read just a couple other quotes, and then I'll, I'll, I'll go into some things. Now, questions and answers in Hebrews, and I, I want to speak just a little bit on authority and the authority and sovereignty of the church. Now, Brother Man would say nothing against the Catholic people. They're just as good, but their religion is wrong according to this Bible. If the Bible's right, they're wrong. They say it doesn't matter what the Bible says, but they rather say it's what the church says. Now, listen to what Brother Ram says about that. He says, we believe that the Bible speaks with the supreme authority. Absolutely, it's God's word. That's the supreme authority. I like that. We're all under something. Every one of us. So he would go on to say, earnestly contending for the faith delivered to the saints, 1956. Now, in, in doing so, there's got to be, because there's so many, too much differences among us, there's got to be somebody right and somebody wrong. So I, I'm going to put it this way. A brother shared this with me, and I repeat it many times. We all came from somewhere, and we all go somewhere. And along the way, we're continually moving closer to where we at. So just because we have an opinion one way or the other, we, we want to move towards something, and we're continually trying to move to be more subservient to what God has. So he would say, now, to make this thoroughly understood, there's only one who has the supreme authority, and that's God, to answer this question. Do you believe that? So we ought to know what we know, what the faith is that we are supposed to contend for, and, and for and rightly so. One more here. I believe in the supreme authority of the local assembly. Yes, let each church be its own, choose its pastors, its deacons, whatever it is, and then that way the man in there has no bishop over him. Now, we'll, we'll come to this. There's, there's balance in all these quotes. If the Holy Spirit wants to speak something to that church, they don't have to ask anybody whether they could do this or do that. Now, Brother Random clarifies, it's the individual in contact with the Holy Spirit. Show me in by the Bible what's greater in the Bible than a local elder to a local church. That's right. Yes, sir. That's the sovereignty of the local church, each church in itself. So what Brother Branham's referring to is, is that 
If, if, a, if the Holy Spirit wants to deal in a certain way in a church, he'll deal with in that church without an inside, outside influence. It's sovereign to itself. It, it's, not, it's not saying, well, so-and-so does that or so-and-so does it that way. God has something for every church. And sometimes there's a lot of comparatives. Well, they do it this way and they do it that way. Well, at the end, we want to yield ourselves to what God wants to do. And he wants to do for us. So Brother Bannon would make that clear and he'd say, now, brotherhood, that's wonderful. He'd say, all churches ought to be in brotherhood like that together, but the sovereignty of the local church. Now, I'm going to go a little bit, and I want to deal with the sovereignty of the local church. So these are just some comments uh, that I'm, we're putting down, some notes. They're not, in the, they're not quotes, so just take it that way. I, I want to just make these comments, and I'm going to go through it. So the sovereignty of the local church, we can see that the sovereignty is the authority of each group to have the right and responsibility to determine what the Holy Spirit is leading them to believe. The local elder or pastor is the highest office in the local church. He does not answer to a district office or denominational headquarters, but he would rather answer first to the Lord and, I'm putting in here, and also to the local group as a whole. He's not an island to himself. He's, a, he's accountable as we took the thought of a shepherd. It's not him and just saying, I, I, I'm this, but the shepherd lives for the sheep. And that was what David was. David was a shepherd for the sheep. So not a hireling. He, he had the heart of a shepherd from the beginning. And it carried through David's walk with God. So I'm also using this. Now if the church will not let the pastor follow the dictates of what he feels the Lord would have him do and preach, then he must not go against his convictions. And I'm using this quote because, um, and it's not a quote, it's just a comment. But Brother Branham even though he was in the Baptist church and he wanted to preach certain things, they didn't want that and they voted him out. Now, it wasn't Brother Branham that was wrong. If, if we believe in the sovereignty of a church, it, it was the church that, that didn't want what, what God was leading them into. So I'm, again, there's balance on all of these things. But the, he should move where he can preach what he believes to be the word of God. Ultimately, pastor, ministers, deacons, trustees, lay people, musicians, all of us, uh, sound techs, I'm going to include you too, okay? They, 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 they give me a thumbs up. Ultimately, we will all answer to the word for our actions and what we believed. The important thing here is that each individual, each local assembly must take their own stand for what the Holy Spirit has said in his word. They are not to be manipulated or governed by the force of a man that's up here or down there. For that is a Babylonian spirit, Nicolaitanism. Okay? All right, let's, I'm, I'm making these statements, but now I'm going to bring it from the message. So India trip report. I'm just talking about sovereignty of a local church. The reason I kind of stuck with the Baptist church was the sovereignty of the local church, which I think is apostolic. And then he would say, 
It's a brotherhood and the sovereignty of the local church. If God is ever going to get a message to his man, his elder, the highest office is the local church is the elder. Coming through the elder, if he has to go through a, a state presbyter and so forth and back to the bishop and then it's wrote, we believe this word, that's all. I, I remember we went to, a, it was either a wedding or a funeral service and it was at a denominational church and they had the service printed out Already, it was, it, was, it was a Saturday, and they had the Sunday service already printed out in the aisles, what the text was and everything. I thought, wow, that, that's getting a real good forewarning. But then I realized it comes from somewhere else. This is what you got to preach that day. And, and I, I thought, thank God that the Holy Spirit, He wants to be our head. He wants to be, He wants to rule and reign. Not, not some, some other thing. The tendency of, of us, all of us, and I'm including men and women, but we're men and, and we fix things and we want our say and, and rightly you have a say as the Spirit leads us. Uh, absolutely. That, that has to be there. Otherwise, it, it is, it's a wrong foundation. Now, so let's, let's go a little further. Again, I was here, that had a privilege of being here having a wonderful message on the sovereignty of the local church, which is certainly my views of it. That's, that's Brother Branham. Hebrews chapter 5 and 6. I believe in the supreme authority of the local assembly. Let each church be its own. Choose its pastors, its deacons, whatever it is. Then that way there's no man that has a bishop. So this is the same quote I read earlier, but I'm, I'm just using it again. Down to the last Sentence, show me by the Bible what's greater than a local elder to a local church. Yes, sir, the sovereignty of a local church, each church in itself. Now, the continuation of that in the same message, he, he uses this. He says, no, when Paul, now God chose Paul, man chose Matthias. They cast lots, but he never did nothing. That shows what a power the church has then to make a choice to elect their deacons and send their preachers to different places. That's carnal many a time. Let a man go where God leads him to go. Now, I believe in this context he's using the thought of uh, an organization placing a man somewhere and, and putting him somewhere. But it, I believe God leads these things and brings them. So, brother said, let a man go where God leads him to go. I like that. If the people in a conference say, well, here's a nice church. That brother's built up a nice church. And then he says this, and they have a little pet. They'll send him over to this church. They don't realize they're killing themselves. See, first place, if a man goes in there, he can't fill that man's place. And then that only weakens the church to try to show favor to some pet. This is Brother Branham's exact words. I was astounded when I, I came across this. I said, wow, like, you know, and, and, and we think, oh, you know, like we all have men that God has used in our lives. And, and we think, oh, if I could only have that man. And, and I, I've often said, well, you know, the, the, if, if you could build the perfect pastor, you know, you'd have somebody with the tenacity and fire of Donnie Reagan. 
Somebody who could close a song service in singing like Paul LaFontaine. Somebody who could teach it like, like, like just some, some teacher would teach it. I mean, it would be the perfect one. And you know what? Everybody would want to be in that church. But God, in his wisdom, he distributed it amongst many members. There's not one cookie-cutter pastor. There's not one cookie-cutter teacher. There's not one cookie-cutter apostle. But God has different natures and different things that he employs. So I, I, I like what he's saying here. Now, this is, this is, I'm not majoring on one. I'm bringing a whole cross-section of quotes here. Now, he'll say this now, placing of deacons. Our little church here is sovereign. It doesn't have any denomination or anything to send its deacons. It elects its own deacons. It elects its pastor. It elects its trustees. It elects everything that comes in and out of the church. No one person has the say-so over anything. It's the church, and the church are those who come and support the church with their presence, with their tithe and offerings, and they're always the ones that has a legal say-so in the placing of such. Now that's putting authority back into the body. That's God's order. Okay? Same quotation. At the beginning of the revival, if God willing, I want to hold here in this tabernacle, as soon as I get some rest, we'll ordain these deacons by laying on of hands, deacons and treasure in this church. But first, they must be appointed and see how they like it and how the congregation likes it. Now, this is an order relative as Brother Bram's talking here, about trustees and deacons. Now, there's three offices that we vote on, which is trustee, deacon, minister, typically the pastor, associate pastor. And he says, but they're appointed first. So it's it's not like, okay, we're going to have a free-for-all. You know, whoever, uh, whoever wants to be, you just put your name down for whoever you feel like. No, it's actually an order to it. And God says... And, and, and I, I like how Brother Harold did it. You know, he would, he would approach a brother and he would ask him, how do you feel about being the trustee? How do you feel about being a deacon? Okay, well, you know, pray about it. And the man would say, I, I, I would do that. And then he would, he would put him in that role and have him there for a while. And then after a while, there would be a vote on that. Now, it, it didn't, even with the tabernacle and, and it, at Jeffersonville, there was a time when Brother Branham just appointed them. But after a while, and I'll come to it later here, after a while, he actually had them elected. So it was a progression. It was a movement forward. How many wants to keep going forward? I, listen, we're, we're not beholden to one individual. We're beholden to the Holy Spirit. That's every minister, every deacon, every trustee, every lay person. We are subject to him. He's the one who's the head of the church. He'll build his church. Okay, so it's the sovereignty and the law of the church by the word of God. Therefore, they can't just say, I think this man would be the right man. 
This is all, all here. He says, now, that isn't it. Brother Neville thinks this man would be the right man. Or the trustee boards thinks this man would be the right man. It has to be by the church. No one does anything within, within himself here. It's the vote of the church. It's a sovereign church. Brother Bannon would actually say about Brother Neville, even though he recommended him, he would say, I've only got one vote. He said, it's not me ordaining it. He actually says, it's not me kicking out a deacon board. It's not me doing this. And it's vice versa. We're all accountable to God. And I, I would raise my hands to that. So that, that's God's order. No one does anything with himself. It's the vote of the church. So I want to take this a little bit, and I want to talk about a pattern. Okay? And this is from the Church Age book. This is just backing up from the legalities of where I was at. Okay? Just, just let me back up for a minute. Church Age book, right at the beginning, Brother Ram says, This study has to be the most serious one I ever had undertaken up to this time. I sought God for many days for the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Not only did I read the scriptures of the church ages and delve into many church histories written by unbiased historians, God did not fail to answer my prayer while I read the word and histories. I was enabled by the Holy Spirit to see unfolded a pattern that runs through the centuries and right to this present last day. Did you ever think how blessed we are to be able to have the church age book? To be able to see things that, that scholars don't know about the Nicolaitan spirit that would come and it would try to exercise control over the laity? Did you think how, how God would show that? Because the Alpha, the Ephesian church, has to become the Omega. And we have to recognize what the Ephesian church fr fell from and what did they fall from? Don't be scared. You can say it. First love. They fell from their first love. And they allowed things to creep in. Oh, listen. I, I, <laughs> I, I'm rejoicing because we had, a, we had a wonderful young people service. And it was about relationship. And it was about how if we have that, that takes care of so many things. If you have a relationship with God... You know, you, you go down, you pray, you talk with him. He speaks with you, talk back. You know, you, you, you then go and you hear the news or you open up the news. You don't get nearly as alarmed. But uh, if, you, if you go directly to the news, you're alarmed and you're, you're coming there and shaking, Lord, I need help. Because did you see what's happening here? No, but I'm in relationship first. And whatever you want, Lord. That's why we pray, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's first and foremost. That's before you even say, forgive me of my sins, my iniquities, as I forgive others. So you, you're first saying, Lord, you're God, you're in control, you have a will, you have a purpose, and I want to fit into that. Everyone wants to. We want to. We, that's, that, that's the freedom and the liberty we, we want to have. So it's a pattern that runs right to this day. Now, this is a broader picture for a moment. Only one messenger to each age receives what the Spirit says. One messenger is the messenger to the true church. He speaks for God by revelation to the churches. And, and I, 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 the way Brother Ron says it, both true and false. 
So everybody's hearing something. The message is then broadcast to all. Though it is broadcast to all who come within range of the message, the message is received individually only by a certain qualified group in a certain way. Each individual in that group is one that has the ability to hear what the Spirit is saying by way of the messenger. Oh, there, there is something he makes real. You know, it, it's, it's not the minister. And, 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 and hey, we all fail. We fail as parents sometimes. We fail as ministers. We fail and we say, it's got to be this way and we got to make it work. But somewhere you got to let God do his part. And you think, well, I, I, this needs help there, this needs there. And, and, and then we want to take credit for things. But it's God who is greater than all of us. I, I, I came across some quotes and I couldn't put them all in. They were wonderful. Brother Branham was talking, it's not me, it's him. You know, and, and... Okay, so moving on in the same thing. Paul set this pattern under the hand of God. Paul alone had the full revelation of his day. And as evidenced... I'm going to go back, did I? Yeah, that's right. So it was a pattern. So it was Paul the messenger, then to another group. Further in the church age, Brother Bannon goes, Paul ordained a Timothy. So Paul actually spoke to the Roman church, the Corinthian church, the Ephesian church, the Galatians church. He spoke to the Hebrews. But he also spoke direct messages to Timothy, to Titus. He spoke those to, to men that were there. And he says, now here's how you do it. Here's what you do. So it was, it was under the revelation of the messenger. We had a very good example. Brother Harold brought that really well over the years. Now it, says, now, it says, Paul had the full revelation. He had the actual illustration of the word. Now, I like this part because it shows Paul had a will, but God had a greater will. So Paul, he wanted to go to Asia. God forbade him. He said, for his sheep were in Macedonia, and they, the Macedonians, would hear what the Spirit had to say through Paul. The people in Asia would not. Now, that's amazing. We never think of it that way. But that's God leading. There, there was so much of Brother Branham that was, uh, that was the human part. I, I don't, I don't want to say he was a prophet. But, you know, somebody asked him a question. Did you say that all the Negro, he called it, what he called it, the slaves would be killed, and it was regarding Martin Luther King? And he says, no, don't, 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 he says. And then he would say, that, there's so much of the human part with it, but listen to what the Spirit's saying. And then he would say, and he, and he, and he would say, it's not what I said, and he corrects it. And, and you know, all the prophets of old, the Bible says they didn't all understand what they were saying. But the Holy Ghost moved them to say what they were saying. And sometimes it's the same in the hearing. We're, we're hearing up here, but sometimes it's God dropping it down here, making it very real. Okay, I'm moving forward. Every age, the same pattern. Uh, okay, uh, messenger spreads the light. Those that are faithfully taught. And then he says... However, they don't always learn to speak what the messenger has spoken. They add here, they take away, the, the message is no longer pure, the revival dies down. How careful we must be to hear one voice, the Spirit has but one voice, which is the voice of God. Paul warned them that. 
Okay, God had explained. Now, some of these quotes, they, they, they're actually quite something. I, I, I like it. So he said, when I left the Baptist church, Brother Bram says, and God had explained, 1933, he was ordained in the Missionary Baptist Church. Now, the Baptist church is a sovereign church. He said, you can preach about anything you want if the congregation will stand for it. <laughs> now, it, it, he's talking about that church, okay? He says, now, you, they just, you want to preach whatever you wish? He said, and he's talking to them now. You want to preach whatever you wish? I like that because I believe it's apostolic because the head, the highest order in the church is the shepherd. We realize that the pastor. And if some bishop or something else is going to knock the revelation out of that pastor, then how is God going to ever work in his church? You see it, you can't get it. So the revelation or the anointing doesn't come just to a man. It comes to an office. It comes to a position, and God increases that over time. He brings that to where it should be. Now, total deliverance. This, this, there's about five quotes from this message here I'm going to share. Now, if the church board or the deacons would like to would come and say, we were thinking to build a new tabernacle. That is the vote of the deacons. The trustees are consulted, and they don't have the money to do it, but they have a building program like we're doing now. And then it's taken over to the general audience, as we should be, all the church being sovereign. And he would say, then the church votes for a new tabernacle. We should all cooperate in building that new tabernacle. Now, a couple of years ago, we voted on the purchase of a property, and the, cho the church voted not to proceed with that. But at this point where we're at, we, we did it. So we, we, we all went along with that. But we also went along with it when we decided to purchase this property, which was over here, which we're going to need quite shortly here. Now, here's what Brother Branham says about himself. Frankly, myself, when they spoke of a new tabernacle to me, I was against the thought. Wow. He says, we don't exactly need a new tabernacle. We're going to be leaving here pretty soon. If the Lord showed me what he showed, it's going to come to pass. Why do we need a new tabernacle? We haven't got the money. I remember Brother Harold's uh, saying, he says, we need a new roof for the building, and I have good news and bad news. We have the money. The bad news is it's in your pockets. <laughs> and we did put a new roof on you. <laughs> okay, now, Brother Bram said, I gave way to the majority. Then I came down and I felt the feeling of the church that the mature, church in the majority seemed to want it. What did I do? I sacrificed my thoughts and I throwed in with the church. Sure, let's do it if that's the way we cast lots. That's the way it was in the Bible time, the way the church voted, the sovereignty, the groups of the people come together. He says, in unity there is strength. Brother Max, you've been preaching on unity, the unity of one God. That's exactly what it is. He says, now, so therefore, certainly that's the way the church wants, if that's what God is wanting. He's got more authority to vote amongst a whole group of people than he has to me because he says, I have no vision to say what it shouldn't be. So we throw in behind the church and we move with the church and I'm behind it to do all we can to help the church. 
Now, this is regarding an, a, a, a tabernacle. There's other things that come up here. Now, this should be the motive of every Christian and every person in the church is to unify ourselves and stick together. Whatever the church votes for, that's what we should stand for. And the church said, Amen. Then say, for instance, they want to change something in the church. Well, then if the trustees wants to or somebody else, the deacons wants to change something, that comes before the church, the church then together. And if our idea here seems to be a little different than what the whole church does, let's sacrifice that idea because we can, the only way we can stand is united. And if the church will just go the way they're going now and be unified together, God will. It's unlimited what we'll do if we stick together. We must stick together. That's how we want to be so complete with one another, then so complete in the hands of God. I'm going through a lot of information, but I'm putting it up there. I trust as I go through it, I just felt I need to bring a lot of different things from different sides here. Then we've got to have a man that we believe preaches the Word of God. If the man don't do it, then get somebody who does do it. That's the way we must stand. If the trustee board won't stand for what's right, then it's your business to elect somebody that will stand for what's right. And then if you do it, stay by it. It's up to you. Stand by it. And all together, we're standing for one thing. That's God. Key to the door. This church, no, he says, now, you all voted 100% on it, so you've held right to that. See, the church is sovereign. What the church says, what trustees are nobody else. Trustees is just each one a vote. A pastor is just one vote. It's the church. It's the democracy of the church. The sovereignty of the church, the church in a whole, speaks. We don't have bishops, hierarchies, overseers. So you can say, well, it's the church. But then he qualifies it and said, it's the Holy Spirit in the church that does the speaking. And he says, and it's very fine. So there, 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 this, is, this is where we give ourselves to. Now, I'm, I'm, using, I'm making a couple talking points if I can. So the pastor is the highest office or order in the local church. No bishop can knock him out of preaching, but it's subject to the congregation. Now, in another place, it says, you, I'll come to it, but I'll just drop it in now. He says, the deacons, should Brother Neville tell them? He says, no, it's not brothers, Brother Neville's business to tell the deacons what to do. And he said, neither is it anybody's place to tell the deacons, he says, or the church to tell the pastor what to preach. So you, you, can't, you can have the control over those in there, but you can't have the control on saying, you need to preach this and this. What are we talking about? Nicolaitan can come from the top down, but it can also come from the bottom up. It goes both ways. Brother Harold brought that out years ago, and I always appreciated that. If the preacher isn't preaching the Word of God, this is my comments, or the board isn't standing for what's right, then the sovereign church is to elect someone who will. 
That's why a vote is in order periodically, okay? Obviously, there, if, if a minister is doing and preaching what they believe is right, but the sovereign church must be able to have the basis to be able to vote in someone that will do what the Word says. Okay, are we all good so far? Okay, if, if you're not, you probably won't raise your hand right now, but it's okay. <laughs> okay, who has the authority in the church? Hebrews chapter 7 again. The full and complete authority of the church is the pastor. Now, it doesn't stop there, okay? Read that in the Bible. See if that's not the Bible order. There's no one above the elder, and he says, I have nothing to do with what Brother Neville does here. This is amazing to me. Uh, but I'm the prophet of the age. I have nothing to do with what Brother Neville does here. Now, he did have to talk to Brother Neville because Brother Neville had a gift of prophecy. And there was a time he got carried away because people came and pulled on the gift and he had to come to Brother Neville and correct him. So, but he could not move him out of the office or take him out. He says, that's between you and Brother Neville talking to the congregation. He says, this is, this is uh, some of these comments will be qualified both ways, but if Brother Neville wanted to preach Jehovah Witness doctrine, that's up to him and you. Okay, we'll just let that sit for a while. <laughs> okay, you didn't think I was going here today, did you? <laughs> okay, see, if, you, if he wanted to preach anything he wanted to, that's between you and him. Not just him. Okay, and there's an order. We'll come to it. If the congregation votes for him in there to preach it, that's all right. That's up to him. Okay. So if the congregation votes, then it's up to him. Okay. Now, the only thing that I do is, Brother Bram talking, is just own the property. And he says, if it comes, and if something or another comes, like moving the pastor, and they want me to take a vote on that, you can't ask a deacon to do that. You'd, ha you'd come ask me, and I'd come down and say, if you want to move the pastor, tell me why. Has he done anything? Yes, we caught him drunk. Okay, no, it has to be something legitimate. There, there's an, he says, we caught him drunk, we caught him doing this, or something that wasn't right. Have you got three, witness of it, three witnesses of it? Yes, we have. Okay, now look at the order that Brother Branham's establishing. Then the witness must first be tried. He says, don't receive an accusation against an elder, lest it be by two or three witnesses. Let them first be proved against an elder, and you have to swear to it that you saw it and prove it that you saw it. This, this is pretty serious. You know, sometimes these little things is where we fail. Okay, I'm going to just, just stop here for a minute. We had, I was privy to church when Brother Terry Sproul was a co-pastor with Brother Harold. I was also privy to the church when Brother Ron McCafferty was. I was also privy to some of the strains that came thereafter. And there was a lot of things said. And, and listen, 
I had to learn after a while, even people that I really looked up to, who said things, even about Brother Harold. You know what I, I, I found myself doing? I found, I'm getting swayed. Why am I getting swayed? You know what I did to correct it? I said, Brother Harold, I need to meet with you. I need to talk to you about these things. There's an order how we do things. Listen, Brother, Brother Branham is giving it. I've seen it. I've seen myself be affected. And I realized this is hurting me. It's hurting others. And I need to take measures against it. And I, and I said, and I, I, I'm going to go and talk to him and get the other side of the story. Because there's always two sides to every story. So, listen, this is important for all of us. I'm gonna, I'll come a little further here. Let's go. Okay. And then you have to swear to it and saw it and prove it. And then if you did, then that sin is rebuked openly. Then it's wrong. Then, the, then say, congregation, do you want to change your pastor? So here's the order. It has to be something legitimate. It has to be, it has to be proven. It has to be shown as such and such. And then it comes to the congregation. There's God's order. Listen, we're not, we're not voting for a political party here. We're not voting for a, a certain individual. Listen, when I, when I watched what was going on in England in the last week, and it looked like the, the guy who was just ousted could potentially come back in. I go, wow, what a Ferris wheel. Like just rotating like this. I don't believe God has that kind of a pattern. God has an order to what he does. But he also gives protection to the church that not one person can go above it. I like it when God has a pattern. So here's just, I'm going to give you an example of a pattern. Okay, now you, you try and figure this out. One, three, five, what's next? Okay, that's a pattern, odd numbers. Let's start again. One, three, five, seven. What's next? Wrong. My pattern is prime numbers. The next is 11. Ah, see? God reveals it as he's going along. We think we've got it figured out. Yeah, it's this, 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 this. But then God says, no, that wasn't the pattern I was establishing. Now, isn't, isn't God a God of order? Isn't God a God of pattern? And he does things, not willy-nilly, but he moves things. And Brother Brown said, sometimes the cogs move slowly. So it doesn't happen all at once. Hey, listen, we're not submitting a resume. We're not putting a platform out there. This and this is this what we'll do. We're looking to the leading of the Lord. We're looking to say, God, have your way. Don't let it be, Brother Ed. Don't let it be any one person. Don't let it, but let it be you, Lord. That's what I desire. I feel like Moses. Moses, who has had all these people behind him, and he said, Lord, if you don't go up with me, then don't send me. But I want to move forward with him coming with us. Okay. <clears throat> so, if he's done something wrong and it comes to a congregational vote, forgive him 
and let him go on. That's the way it has to stand. See? Isn't that fair? Ain't that the way to run a church? Wow, that's pretty good. That's what the Bible said. We have no bishops, overseers, boards, and so forth. Moves this one in and has got a lot of authority. There's nobody that's got authority here but the Holy Ghost. I feel like a vote is sacred. It's not an opinion just. You, it, yeah, it comes to an opinion. And, and listen, by no means is, is anti-message tabernacle the only church that anybody could ever go to. You, could, you all have that place to go to. Sometimes it's been said that, you know, like the quote in the message quite often says, you know, Elijah was Jezebel's pastor even though she didn't know it. Well, that, that's different to an age, but I think to a local area, now he does actually in the quotation said, to a local area, but I think there's also room for other churches. I don't think it's just one, that's, that's really binding, I think. But you have an ap- ability. I, I don't like what, what this is. You know, I think it's greater than just going here, going there, going. I think it's actually you make a commitment. And I feel the vote is sacred. The vote is contingent upon you having a track record, you voting, and whatever way it goes, I'm going to keep going. So Brother, G- Brother Green was here, Albert Green. And he said, at the very time this church was going through a renovation, we hadn't even occupied it yet, Brother Ojar passed away. And when Brother Ojar passed away, Brother Harold went down there and he took the funeral. And Brother Green, Albert Green, was just a minister in the church. He was just um, working in the library. He was doing a multitude of things. And, and Brother Harold asked him, Brother Ojar was just, just telling me this in the office a week and a half ago. And he said, Brother Harold asked him, and he said, Brother Green, would you be willing to stand? And he said, I've prayed about it, and I think yes. Brother Green, if the vote doesn't go your way, will you still commit to coming to this church? And he said, yes, I will. So a vote is sacred. It's not just used, if I get my way, then I'll, I'll commit, and if I don't, I, you know. No, it's, it's bigger than that. It's based on something before, something behind. And I think that's a question I had to ask myself. If it isn't, and I, and I feel like, well, it, it's so-and-so, it's this and this. I think God begins to move that a certain way. You know, the Holy Ghost separated Paul and Barnabas for what they had to do. You know, Mark went a certain way. They did a certain things. That's ap- apostolic. You know, Brother Steve Brisson, who was just here, Brother Andre Petit was the pastor there, and he got to a place where he couldn't feel like he couldn't handle it, and he had a missionary heart, and he went to Haiti, and Brother Steve stepped in, but it was God working on both ends. So I, I believe that God works, and he may, he may have someone go here. The whole pattern, I, I've witnessed it overseas, sometimes a minister rises up, and then after a while, he moves out, and, and it starts another church somewhere. But who's doing it? God's doing it. So there's a pattern, right? One, three, five, seven. You're not guessing this time, are you? <laughs> okay. Now, 
if one side wants to do this and the other side wants to do it, the losing side, what they do about it, they join in with the rest of them. We were wrong then. We'll go right on because the Holy Ghost has made that choice. That's exactly right. So we all put ourselves out there. I realize the spotlight's going on me, but I'm also putting it on you because we've got to move together. I, I, this is not one person. Not one person's going to replace Brother Harold. Brother Harold was used by God for a season. But that's not one person's going to replace him. Least of all me. No, it's not going to be that. But it's going to be a body moving together. I, I, I wanted to speak on the seasons in the message, but you look at all the churches where they, God used strong men. Nowhere, nowhere does he completely put that same element behind, but it begins to be distributed. It was from Moses to Joshua. Joshua had those around him. He had the Levites. He had other things. That's God's order. Okay, so let's go on here. Oops, I got to back up. Okay. Uh, no, I, I read that already. Okay. Did I finish this? There's nobody had the authority. Okay. Join. That's exactly right. Join with them. Okay. If any person has a complaint against a deacon or against a deacon or somebody in the church, it takes three people. This is actually part of the same quotation. It was a, the first part was about a pastor. Come and tell the pastor that there's a grievance against a deacon. If there's a grievance against a deacon and the deacon isn't a just man, a perfect man, he must hold the office of a deacon blameless and be found blameless. And if the congregation finds out that deacon's not holding that office, I got places to come to on this, and that's both for pastor, minister, deacons, all of us. It, it gets three of them, takes it to the pastor. The deacons asked to stay over the night. The pastor from this, if there's something wrong, brings it to the congregation, gives the grievance. If the congregation votes for the deacon to continue on, the deacon continues on. If he votes for the deacon to be dismissed, then elect a new deacon. So Brother Branham didn't do that himself. He brought everybody into it. Okay? And that, he put it that way for the, for the pastor too. Therefore, no one person has anything to do in this. It's the majority of the people. If 20 votes for him and 21 votes against him, he goes or vice versa. See, it's the sovereignty of the local church. And then each one of the members has a say-so in the church. Anything that goes wrong, they can come right around. The only thing they have to be before God is that they are, abs that they are absolutely see that nothing hinders the moving of the church. We want to keep moving. We got... We're raising families. We're, we're bringing people. I, we want the Holy Ghost to, to flourish. We want Him to move. Notice, full and complete authority of the church. Okay, these are our comments I already read. It's up to you and Brother Neville. It's not the pastor and the deacon board. If the, isn't the pastor and the deacon board holding his office, the congregation finds out. The congregation must have a way to bring something forth for the church to vote on. So it's by process. There's a brother years ago who was on the wrong side of, of one of our splits, and he said, one of the worst things you can do is get a group of men together, rally together, and, and confront someone. He said, you've got to follow God's order. That's God's order. And he said, I learned a hard lesson. That's what he told me. It starts with two or three witnesses, proven witnesses. Complaint must be specific word principles, not just personal opinion. Okay, this church is sovereign. There ain't no board or deacons going to tell you what to do. Okay, I'm going to move through this quickly. I read some of this before. 
if you don't like your pastor and there's two or three people that get something against the pastor they can't raise up if they're deacons, trustees, or what the officer they are, they've just got one vote. If he's an assistant pastor, he's just got one vote. He's just like the lay member was back there. The whole vote of the church settles the matter. That's right. No deacon board puts a pastor out. No pastor puts a deacon board out. The church does that in a general vote of the whole thing. Brother Branham would go on to say, if I knew of something against Brother Neville and he wouldn't take it, I would bring it to the church. If I knew of something against the deacon, I would bring it to the church. Okay, but it had to be by process and by order. Okay? Now, I'm just going to put this back on us. My, how did the time slip? Okay, each individual is responsible. All wars are fought for principles. Now, if you have a little war in the church, it must be the right principle. You must be fighting. <laughs> I like this. If you have a little war in the church. <laughs> Not a big war, just a little war. <laughs> he says, it must be the right principle. You must be fighting for the right thing. Each member in, of the church is supposed to do that. Now, this is the teaching of the church. That's what we're here for. That's what I'm standing for. That's what God's word is for. It's for the church. Don't never let nothing hinder this church. If it does, you're guilty, each one of you. And you and your different churches, if something's going wrong in your church, you're guilty because you're the overseer of that church. It ain't up to the pastor. It ain't up to the deacon board. It's up to you, the individual. Now, that's another side of it, but we're all responsible. Aren't we? We need to move together. Matthew 18. If your brother trespass against you, tell him his fault between thee and him alone. Step one, if he'll not hear you, then take one or two more that in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Step three, and if he'll neglect to hear them, tell it to the church. And if he neglect to hear the church, let him be as a heathen and a publican. Verily I say unto you, what you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. What you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Hebrews 7, now if there's anything wrong in the church that you know of, some individual or some person, you're duty-bound and will answer before God if you don't clear that thing out, the church. Remember, it's not on my shoulders, it's on yours. And anything wrong on the church, God will make you answer for it. That's right, that's the way he runs his church. That's the way it is in the Bible, that's the order of the Bible. The sovereignty of the local church, the pastor is the head. Okay, I'm going to have to skip some things. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back to that tonight. Okay. The ideal pastor, just quickly. Okay. Strength of Sansom, the wisdom of Solomon, the courage of David, the patience of Job, the skill of Luke, the endurance of Moses, the agility of Zacchaeus. <laughs> where, where were we the other day? My... My wife said it to me of all people. I can't believe this. She said, the last time we were here, you jumped over that fence post. Can you do it again? No, you didn't say that. Sorry. If, I, if you didn't, Sandy, I'm sorry. Can you do that again? I said, I don't know if I want to take that step today. <laughs> okay. The perfect pastor. This, this, I had a couple of brothers send this to me. This, this was really good. Okay. This, this is done about 50 years ago, so just go back in time. I'm going to be just a couple of minutes here. 
The perfect pastor preaches exactly 10 minutes. Fail. <laughs> he condemns sin roundly, but he never hurts anyone's feelings. <laughs> he works from 8 a.m. until midnight and is still the church janitor. He, the perfect pastor, makes $40 a week, wears good clothes, drives a good car, good books, and donates $30 a week to the church. He, has, he is 29 years old, and he has 40 years worth of experience. Above all, he is handsome. Lots of failures on this one. The perfect pastor has a burning desire to work with teenagers and he spends most of his time with senior citizens. He smiles all the time with a straight face because he has a sense of humor that keeps him seriously dedicated. He makes 15 home visits a day and he is always in the office to be handy when needed. Okay, just going to go further. The perfect pastor preaches exactly 10 minutes. Okay, I read this already going down. The perfect pastor, uh, if I go halfway by the church picture there, the perfect pastor always has time for church meetings and all its committees, never missing the meeting of any church organization. He is always evangelizing the unchurched. The perfect pastor is always in the next town over. If your pastor doesn't measure up, simply send this notice to six other churches that are tired of the pastor. Then bundle up your pastor and send them to the church at the top of your list. If everyone cooperates in one week, you'll have 1,643 pastors. One of them should be perfect. Have faith in this letter. One church broke the chain and got its old pastor back within three months. Okay. So the, here, here's, uh, I wanted to get to this part. Where, oh, sorry. Okay. Brother Branham would say this, perfect strength and perfect weakness. The important thing we must master, especially you young preachers and lay members, is we, if we expect to fulfill God's desire in our life, that is, we have to master the thought of human ability. Where if we ever get to a spot with our own intelligence and our own abilities, we've got to master it in such a way to get rid of that thing and lay it aside so God can use us. We've got to make a complete surrender. We cannot use one ability. We've got to make a surrender. So this isn't about saying, you know what, this person's qualified, he's got all the qualities. No, it's about are they surrendered to God? Okay, we're always wanting to put our part, something we, we want to do, but as long as you're doing it that way, it's going to be wrong, and God will never use that effort. Now, listen, listen to this. This, this, was, this was really good. We rest on one another. We rest upon men with ability. Now, how, how can you have faith when you say, let's see, how is that with the Scripture? How can you have faith when you're preferring one another? Now we're expecting, this guy's a great person, I'll just lean on him. That displeases God when you do that. We must lean upon God and God alone. We mustn't trust the ability of ourselves or any man. We must yield completely to God. Now one more uh, thing I'm going to bring here. 
Okay. Uh, let's have the musicians come. I'll close with this, okay? Musicians can come. This is a scripture that Brother Branham uses um, and, and makes comments on and one that we use. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Okay, so that, that's in, in uh, Amos 3 verse 3. The Bible says how can two walk together except that it'll, they agree? it'll never work. You've got to be in agreement and what in agreement with? Now he's saying, okay, you've got to agree on something. What are you going to agree on? Not in agreement with one another as much as we've got to be in agreement with the Word, with God. That's what we've got to be in agreement with. Okay? Now, he would say, Brother Ram said, the Holy Ghost in you will punctuate the Word, every word. I don't care how perfect two men would walk together. There's a difference in them. Oh, man, that's good. Not one of us sees it alike. Oh, sorry, didn't mean to touch you, get you there, Brother Mark. Our thumbprints are not alike. Other things, we can give one another blood transfusion, etc. So this, this is the, the version in the King James. But if you go to other versions, I think it sheds more light on this. It's not just negative. Well, I can't walk together because I don't agree with them. Well, man, half of us wouldn't go home with our wives or our husbands today. So, <laughs> okay. Maybe I touched the nerve there. I don't know. Okay. Here, here's another translation. Can two walk together unless they've agreed? Okay, so when, when I got married to my wife, we're going we're gonna to stick with each other through thick and thin. I didn't know the thin would be up here and the thick would be down here. But we're going to stick with each other. Okay? And so we're going to agree to walk together. That's the point of agreement even though we have differences, okay? Here, can two walk together unless they have agreed to meet? Okay, we're going to meet somewhere. We need to submit ourselves to God's order. On that basis, we're going to walk together. This, this, is, this is just versions of this, okay? Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? That's a good question, no, I don't want that. Well, then I'm not going to walk together. Okay, well, that's everybody's prerogative. But it's not just negative. It's about saying, okay, Lord, I don't know what's ahead, but we're agreeing that you're going to go before us and you're going to move with us. Let's stand together. I've kept you long enough. I'm going to continue this in a different direction tonight, but just, just staying with that. He leadeth me, he leadeth me. He leadeth me, oh blessed thought, oh words with heavenly comfort from Yeah.